Hello and welcome back to The Late Comers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week, we're spying on our neighbors as we watch Rear Window from 1954. Uh, before we get started, guess what I'm going to ask you? How was um, my week? I don't know, maybe. Okay. <laughs> my week was okay. I went and had fun. I saw a movie with you guys. And I yes, we saw I think saw we already talked about that, didn't we? Mm-hmm. No, we talked about the last mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, how was we your were, We're mushing all of our I know, together. It's, it's, it's getting very confusing. I worked 61 hours last 61 week. 61 hours. So that was my week. Mostly it was that. <laughs> I did get out to watch a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then I and then I worked a bunch. Yeah, yeah. I've had a similar week where it's just like I was writing, 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 and it's like, wait, what else did I do? I think I did some more writing. Yeah, yeah. Mine is um. I mean, I was gone for a week. Uh-huh. I'm not actually catching up from that week. It's just that after I had a slow month earlier this year, I was like, hey, all my clients. Coming back with a vengeance. Would you would you like me to do stuff? And now they're like, yes, I would. And also I have a new client who wants me to do five times the amount of stuff that Ooh. I thought I was going to do. So there's just a lot to do. It's fine. It's almost all stuff that I really like doing. So my bookkeeping is being broken up by non-bookkeeping things, which is the best. So we work. Good. We work. Especially because next week I'm going out of town again, but only for the weekend. Well, congratulations. Where are you going this time? It's to my friend's house because it's his birthday, but also because his I go birthday. every month. <laughs> yes, he's, that too. he's like six months and two days younger than me. So he mocks me for being old when I turn the age that he is going to turn the same year. Rude. All right. You want to talk about this movie? I'd like to talk about this movie. So this movie, came out, this movie came out in 1954, which is, what, six years, four years before Vertigo? And Alfred Hitchcock went, I do love seeing Jimmy Stewart hang out of a window. <laughs> Let's do that again. It's yes, he kept <laughs> dropping him out of things. He, dro- he drops out of a window at the end right. of this movie. Beginning of the f- other one, end of this one. It's like two pieces. But um, he's... Only, like, moderately, Jimmy Stewart I'm talking about, only, like, moderately creepy in this movie. Well, that was, like, I think, his Not point. even moderately. Like, he liked Jimmy just Stewart a scotch. for being just about the average person. Yeah. The good guy, right? With and then he the starts, best voice. <laughs> he starts uh, needling us to see these sort of imperfections in the good guy, and yeah. maybe there's a weird little kink to his character, whereas in Vertigo it was a... Big kink. Oh. This is <laughs> the vertigo. He's so bad. He's a bad man. He's not a bad man in this. He is um a low self esteem man. He is a bored man. He is a little bit of a lot of a peeping tom. <laughs> so there is that. Also, I don't know if sitting in your house and looking out the window counts as being a peeping tom. Y'all could just close your fucking blinds. I'm just saying. Well, I think the idea is that it um, it was so hot. Yeah. That particular summer. But that you can't, this is like, you don't have any expectation of privacy. Right, you don't have any Because everybody, not only is all, everybody's windows open, but they're all out, like, mm. in the world. Yeah. So, yeah. 
someone's going to be seeing what you're doing. He's just always there and seeing all the things. Well, almost all the things. All the things but one. So this movie, of course, directed by Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock, because most of the movies we're, we're going to see in the next two months are directed by, or three months, are directed by Alfred Hitchcock, and it was written by John Michael Hayes. Do we know anything about that man? I saw an interview with him today, and first of all, it's based on a novel by one Cornel of my Woolwick. favorite writers, or based on a story by Cornel yeah. Warwick, who um, lived a very sad life. He was uh, a man who started writing a series of novels when he was at Columbia mm-hmm. about the jazz. A, well, a, he was writing novels very much in the theme of uh, Gatsby, right? Okay. That kind of thing. But that kind of novel was not selling. And after six failed attempts at getting started doing Oof. that, he reconfigured himself as a pulp novelist. Gotcha. Um, you can write them fast and you can write them cheap. And he he was really good. Probably, probably his greatest skill was developing the hook. Oh, interesting. Um, the story that I remember reading of his that really made me appreciate him as a writer was man suffers from an issue. He has uh, kind of like a, he's concussed brain damage a little bit from an explosion in a factory you know, he was working at. TBI, we call that. And he sees that one day while he's um, staying at home, he finds out his his wife inter- uh, is uh, entertaining a male caller. Uh-huh. So he's so angry that he uses his skill set to make a bomb and he puts it in the basement. Oh my God. Only he gets, there's a, he gets trapped in the basement trying to get uh, back out again. Overhears that the male caller is actually her brother who's out of work. I see also a very good movie from right. the early 90s called Nothing to Lose. And there's he, not a bomb in that one, but right. the the vibe of the beginning is the same. So it's it's now he, the bomb is going to go off at three o'clock, and he's trapped. So he built the bomb, but he can't disarm the bomb. He can't disarm the bomb because he's trapped at a distance away from it. Hey, I'd like to. Oh, okay. So he's trapped right. in another part of the. Basement. I was going to say I'd like to give everyone a PSA: right. if you build a bomb, know how to unbuild said so bomb. He is the. Uh, be ticking, 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 and him trying to figure out what to do with the fact that his wife is going to die. And his, he, he, his wife was innocent, and he's the shame he's feeling, and then the tick, 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 and it goes on. And the, the, the climax, you find out that three o'clock comes, and the next scene is his wife and the hospital carting him away while he's raving about the bomb he built, and it's actually just a box with a, a bunch of... Um, oh, he's unwell. He's unwell because of the explosion <laughs> of the, that happened, that happened in the first place. Which, um, you know what? Good. Right, but at the same time, it's <laughs> like... Turns out good, but that's, yeah, that's suspense, and he did that really, really well. That's, that's very, mm. that is razor's edge on that it was all a dream. Right. Right? Like, we, I don't, that's not a trope that I particularly like anymore, mm-hmm. um, but I think that, that's just far enough off that, uh, that I think that would be interesting. The number of films that were adapted from his work, they include things like The Leopard Man, which oh, I also okay. made you watch, um, The Chase, uh, Fear in the Night, uh, The Night Has a Thousand Eyes, a lot of... Uh, I don't love any of these titles. <laughs> yeah, a lot of... Well, a lot of these aren't his titles, but the titles of the films. The made. films, fair enough. Uh, yeah, the, the story that he wrote is called It Had to Be Murder, mm-hmm. and then 
Rear Window. I think Rear Window is actually the better title in this particular case. Right. Well, there's literally dozens of films. Uh, the the most the last adaptation of his work was taking place in 2006. Oh wow! So he had a long body of work. He himself did not live particularly long. Oh. He um. Did he drink himself to death? Well, as he did. Do? He also apparently was a closeted homosexual. That makes it real hard so, to live in the 40s. Right. And so there was that as an issue for him. And so he kept away from public life a lot after suffering an injury on one leg that eventually developed gangrene. Oh, God. And he had to have part of his leg amputated. But he routinely, whatever damage he had done to the, the, this leg um, is what led to him writing Rear Window. Cause he oh, because he was stuck. He was stuck with a leg that was always having issues. I don't know if it was diabetes or what his particular issue was. He lived till 64, so not right a baby. But he, but he lived short. in these sort of really squalid apartments a lot of the time. And and even despite the fact that Hollywood was constantly sort of providing a um, pro, or providing him work, and he was writing a lot of the stories done for film noir. He did a lot of film noir right. uh, type stories. Tons um, of, yeah, a lot of stories. Right. A lot of short stories. Ooh, a lot of short stories. And Rear Window was based on one period where he's sitting there of while his leg, in that case, it did recover. This looks like there's about 30 or 40. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. But again, he developed a really great hook. He could make characters run in, in these sort of circuits and uh, have them, uh, you know, he was very good at, you're just about to escape, no, you don't escape, and... and you almost have the killer cornered, but the killer escapes, and that kind of thing. This is, I will say that maybe, this might be one of the funniest lines I've ever read in a Wikipedia article. Mm. His biographer, Francis Nevins Jr., rated Woolwick the fourth best crime writer of his day, right. <laughs> behind Hammett, uh, Earl Gardner, and Raymond Chandler. But I love that he's like, I am going to dedicate an entire book to this man. Fourth best crime writer. <laughs> I actually <laughs> like him better than Gardner. And I was going to say, that's a name that I am unfamiliar Earl with. Earl Stanley Gardner, who who invented Perry Mason. Oh, and did that Okay. It's weird. So, um, weird conglomeration. Right. There's a lot of yes, cross lines <laughs> in this particular story. All right. But yeah, the screenplay writer, was uh, he, gave, he gives a really funny interview about going to meet Hitchcock, thinking that he'd completely failed during his interview because they both were in their cups. Oh, don't and, interview for a job, drunk guys. And when he, did, I know it's the fifties, but come on, man. He mentioned that he was a projectionist at a small theater, and the only film they had to show for a week was Shadow of a Doubt, because the other films didn't show up. And so he told Hitchcock everything that was done wrong in Shadow of a Doubt because he had. He been was in his drunk. Cups. Hey guys, once again, I'd like and to reiterate: don't drink well. And told his wife. He must have been a big nerd. Uh, he was. Because if he was a big strapping man, mm. Hitchcock would never have talked to him well, again. Well, he, he said uh, after that happened, he went home and he just really believed, oh my God, I've blown this job. And he told his wife that. And, Seems like. and then it turns out he got a call from Hitchcock's secretary the next week saying he'd like to work with you. But he tells a very funny story of uh, Woolrich's story, the, the original story, had no love interest, but they needed one. The, the producers always do. Um, and so he cast Grace Kelly. Because mm-hmm. if the producers want a love interest, let's give her give them the best-looking woman that's <laughs> ever been, you know, maybe next to Ingrid Bergman. Right. But 
it's a taste thing. She who really I was smitten with her when I first saw this movie. I mean, how do you how are uh, you she is unbelievably beautiful. Uh-huh. She is quick on her feet. She is fully in love with this man. Like right. and well, and not in any like she is high society, mm-hmm. but in no way like um a snob or right. stuck and up so or anything. Here's the interesting thing about that. Uh, we talked about how last week Chinatown was written by an old roommate of Jack Nicholson. Yeah. So he really got Jack Nicholson's rhythms down. Um, Hitchcock had worked with uh, Grace Kelly in Dialem for Murder. Yeah. Right before doing this film. And he wanted to work with her again, but he tells the screenwriter, she's kind of stiff still. She's still sort of doing stage mannerisms and things like that. So I'm going to have you hang out for a week with Grace Kelly. And he's like, oh yeah, that was... That That's was, tough. Tough gig. Yeah, well, his wife thought so. Like, well, excuse me, you're going to do what? But he basically just us. sort of hung out with her, figured her out, and that's where this came from because when he felt where he cracked the Grace Kelly code was how much of a tomboy she was at the same time yeah. looking the way she did and being very high society. But also, yeah, no, she mm-hmm. is chill as hell. Right, exactly. But every time I look at her face, I'm like, princess, huh? Shocking. (laughs) Shocking that a prince came and married her. She's ridiculous. Especially in the first dress that she's in, which is stunning. And her waist is about the size of a necko waist. She designed that with Edith Head. She worked with the costume designer to... Her outfits from front to back in Uh this movie are... Fantastic. Right. Offsetting for Jimmy Stewart, who's wearing pajamas right. beginning to end, which is very funny. Or nothing on top. Like, sometimes right. he takes his shirt off. And he looks like a normal human man, which is rad. I was, we were saying, this is not body shaming. It was uh-huh. just the thing that I noticed. Body, no hair on it. Arms, no hair. Hands, weirdly have hair on them. I, I've never seen that I before. don't know... It, that was intentional. I don't think because, it was intentional. No, no, I think I that's mean, his body. I don't know that they didn't shave him for the part because there was... Uh, but here's the thing. Right. There's no way they would have shaved him for the literally 15 seconds we see right. him without I, a shirt on. Uh, when they, we we see him talking for like four minutes with his, heads on, like his head on his hands while he's laying on a massage table. And all you see is the front of his hands. Well... Like, how do you... (laughs) Nicholas Ray, the director, he did a a film called King of Kings, Uh which is a hagiography of the life of Christ. And he was told he had to reshoot scenes where Jeffrey Hunter, who's playing Jesus, has chest hair. Because Jesus doesn't have chest hair. I bet (laughs) Jesus had hair all over his body for two reasons. One, it was 2,000 years ago. And two... He was a Middle Eastern man. Right. The idea I, they're being, not, like, I'm not making, I'm making no. a generalization. They're a higher suit. The idea <laughs> being that uh, the producers felt that Jesus doesn't have any hair on his body in sculptures and, and paintings. That's because they're and, scu- you, it's right. really hard to sculpt 
chest hair right but into also marble the idea being that ray was ray notified them well those people weren't actually around when this happened also yeah they're so they using no idea. models right. who are definitively not jesus christ and so but they just insisted no you know they they, they ran it with some some producers who just felt no that that, that, that looks too animal he's just covered it with hair we have to shave all that so it was very common you'll see films where People just have are men are oddly like I'll strip off the, their shirts and they're just oddly just hairless like and, a mole. Right, <laughs> Tarzan like a mole never rat. had any body hair. There's not a Tarzan that had any body hair. It just doesn't make and any all sense. these guys, these big macho guys like Johnny Weissmuller and Gordon Scott, had to go shaving to be body fair, hair all the time. The ones that were swimmers uh, did right. that anyways, but or were used to having done that. Uh, but yeah, no, that's wild. I don't. It's very strange. So I. Hey guys, did you know that people have hair on their bodies because they're mammals? This does not solve the mystery of whether or not Jimmy Stewart. Has it's just so, it was just so. It was just so because his hand, like the side of his hand, right. hair, like a like a decent right. amount, like enough where I was like. <laughs> Again, these are the same people who uh, Rita Hayworth is playing a Hispanic woman in uh, she is. Love and Sand. <laughs> yes. And as a, um, I forget the, the host of You Must Remember This, what she pointed out is oh. Hollywood fingers at the time had this Hispanic woman dye her hair bright red and get rid of her widow's peak so she could look more Hispanic. Karina Longworth. Right. Which is bananas because she was Hispanic. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, we still have people doing that to black actors, but with their like accent. And things. It's very Worse. odd. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Can you do what the white version of, or like right. the white person's idea of what that culture is, please? I would like you to be a stereotype to put you in this movie. Ugh. Gross. Are right, you want to talk about this movie so now? Let's talk like about the, the plot movie. of this movie? How hairless everyone is. I mean, the plot of this movie is very easy. Mm. Man sees shady shit. Man investigates shady shit with girlfriend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> shady shit uncovered. So <laughs> how did you... <laughs> How did that's, that's you feel thing. about the movie? I loved it. I thought it was super I, fun. I really, I, this is my favorite. Uh, and, I, and there are Hitchcock movies, I think that, like Psycho, that we're going to watch that are scary or, or movies yeah. like The Birds. That are, this one is, it, I will say, spoiler alert, uh, I didn't find it that thrilling uh -huh. until like the last maybe 10 minutes. Right. Uh, there's a lot of building up of like what's happening. Um, and there's a lot of them talking about what they think could have happened. And y'all, dead on. They're so good at this. Right. Uh, but, like, the stress part doesn't come in until... Well, it's very much, and this is something that, again, Woolwork was very good at, yeah. which is, it's like a wind-up toy. Yeah. Overwound, and now it's just going berserk. But yeah, fair enough. Yeah, because when it comes, it's right. all at once. Um, there are some... I'm not gonna. I don't like the term plot hole, and I don't think that mm -hmm. even if I did like the term, it it affects this. I've gotta assume that even in the 50s or the 40s when the story was written, there was the idea of probable cause, right? Which does not exist in this movie, right? Like you, you can't break into somebody's house, find something that you consider evidence, remove that from their house, and make that. A reason to go back into that house. That's not how it works, but that's okay. It's it's plot set like this movie is 
weirdly both plotty and not plotty. And so <laughs> a lot of it is, strangely, a character study of people we never meet. Right. Um, which is really an interesting way to do it, too. So we did learn, Ben Mankiewicz told us, because we recorded this off TCM, that this is, at the time, it was the most massive set that had ever been built. Uh, James Cameron hadn't started making films yet, so, you know. But, uh, and I don't know that the Titanic... Uh, I think the Bond films actually uh, they will do, yeah. did these crazy huge sets. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, for their set pieces, they were literally set pieces. Mm-hmm. But this one, because they made, what he said, 13 full-sized apartments. Right. Some of them had, all of them had electricity. Some, Some had of them had running water for... No reason? We see one person take a shower, uh-huh. but you can't even tell that water is running. She probably didn't have one of the water, uh, the the going, mm-hmm. you know, the running water uh, apartments. But, yeah, that just seems like right, a little, so it's a little extra. He's a, he, I believe he's a photographer for Life magazine. He's a p- photographer. He works for Life, but I think right. he's freelance. And He being... L.B. Jeffries. He goes by Jeff, which is bananas. <laughs> I wonder what the L.B. stands for. Nothing he likes, apparently, because he goes by the first half of his last name. Um, and yes, he is a photographer. Uh-huh. We see some images at the beginning, and they're all very uh, action-oriented. And dynamic. Uh, and then, but he is uh, stuck. We find out it's because he... Well, he's he's got a broken leg, and probably the femur, because the cast goes all the way up to his waist. Uh, and he has to stay immobile for seven weeks. He's been immobile for six weeks as we as we enter the 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 story, and he was he was filming a, or he was photoing a like a like a race uh-huh. like a car race, and he decided to get in the middle of the track, which. You should not do. Well, I, I and find, he says, "Well, uh, he said." I think the the person who calls him at the beginning, uh, which is you know, I guess his contact at Life Magazine or whatever, and he was like, "You're out today," and he's like, "No, I'm out next week, you idiot." And he's like, "Well, I didn't tell you to get in the middle of this racetrack." And he's like, "You said you wanted something new and dynamic, so right." What and else the could I that possibly we do see is of a car flying at him? Mm-hmm. So he literally he got a great picture, but then. Jumps over the railing to get the, the moment the car's flying yeah. at him, which is ridiculous. So he's our first, the first character we mm-hmm. we see. The second character we see is uh, Stella from a, t- a bygone time when insurance would send a nurse to your house every day for seven weeks, multiple times a day. Wild. Uh, this woman is amazing. <laughs> She's so cool. She gives him all of the crap. She's like, you got to stop spying on your fucking neighbors. And he's like, she's, I don't have Thelma anything Ritter else to do. is one of the great character actresses. She's so good. She's so she funny. She has been nominated, I think, six times for Academy Awards. I'm not sure that she ever won. But That's she, a sh- did she at least? I hope she at least gets a lifetime sound song. She, she, she is so amazing because she, uh, I remember I, I seeing a film on, pick up on South Street. Um, that was a film noir that she appeared in. And she was amazing in that film. And ever since then. I know that when she shows up, there'll be something funny or something really dramatic that happens. Nominated for Best Supporting Actress six times. Yep. One zero times. She did win 
a Tony Award. That's wild. For Best Actress in a, in a Musical. But none of the film... Uh, she was nominated once for an Emmy, six times for uh, an Oscar, and three times for a Golden Globe, and she won one Tony. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, yeah, that's very impressive. But yeah, she's so good and she's so fun uh she's she's so fun she gives him crap and she's trying to counsel him through his love life because he's uh he's about to fuck it up with grace kelly like girl dad so here's the deal with grace kelly his girlfriend lisa which is just such a pedestrian name for a woman who looks like that. Um, so I was expecting Galadriel or something. <laughs> something, yeah, something. Even Grace. I mean, that's a... Yeah, anyways. I will stop harping on her looks, but she... Like, you guys. Um, he, She's like, marry her. And he's like, can't. Poor traveler. Never here. It only in dangerous situations. And she is like the stunning... like. I don't know that she's an heiress, but I'm pretty sure she's an heiress. She's like in the fashion world. She's a socialite. She's she writes a socialite. news column. Yeah. On, and she covers all the parties. And she, yes, and she comes from money and she lives yeah, in a giant she, place. Yeah. And she, like, she is. She is an heiress because her father, the dresses that she's wearing are dresses that her father sells, right? Right. Yeah. So he must be like, it's like an owner of Macy's situation right. or something like that. So he's like, I can't give her anything, basically, is his mm-hmm. sort of deal. And uh, she's like, uh, she doesn't want anything from you. She doesn't need anything from you. She loves you. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and so that is uh, that is the, the sort of crux of that relationship drama. And you were saying that you liked that they had an actual right. problem. Uh, it wasn't that. just like a... Mm-hmm. What single misunderstanding, and then they didn't talk to each other, and that's why so they were times, having trouble. The obligatory romance in a film, yeah, is based on nothing, yeah. And this time, here's a guy who he has some very real gripes because she does try to fit him into her world. She does, right? And, and that then, was actually a problem I had with the end of the movie, but we'll yeah. get there when we get there. But he is—he doesn't see her belonging in the kind of lifestyle that he lives. Uh, so they have a real issue. That there they is have a real issue. And she... And they argue like a real couple. They do. And they don't want to separate either because at the end of their first big fight... You know, he's like... He, he says... She says... Because mm-hmm. he has told her all. Like, he's... They're rehashing it. Right. And... He's like, well, the the way she's introduced in this film, she's like, what the hell is wrong? She comes in and in what they she actually says is an eleven hundred dollar dress. I'd like to remind you that we're in the mid fifties, so an eleven hundred dollar dress is like a ten thousand dollar dress. You could buy a car for that. You could buy a house for that. (laughs) Um, Times were different and also better for just that one reason and no other reasons at all. She comes in and she's like, I'm here. I'm free all weekend. Uh, I'm going to make the last week of your uh, rehabilitation, like something you'll never forget, basically. Mm-hmm. And she brings in this, like a waiter from a restaurant who has brought like a very fancy meal. It's lobster thermidor, you guys. And uh, 
and some wine, mm-hmm. like in a in an ice bucket. You know what I mean? Like like if you were staying at the Four Seasons and you got uh, room service, that. But she brought it to his apartment in Greenwich, which is amazing. And um, yeah, that's it. She just sweeps in with all, and right. she's just like she. Even though she looks completely out of place in this little apartment, she doesn't feel out of place right. in this apartment, which is a really, I think that's a tough line to walk. Yeah. And I think the fact that maybe Grace Kelly was a chill person uh-huh. uh, really lends it to, l- lends that uh, some credibility. Because it does look like, like from the outside, you'd be like, oh no, she, there's no way she likes being here. She does not care. She loves this man. Right. And Jimmy Stewart might be one of the only people who would be uh, literally worthy of this woman. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so yeah, so she's like, she wants to yeah, get him to stay in New York. She can get him a ton of jobs. Like, he's a really good photographer. He could make a lot of money in New York. This is all true. Just not even based on, mm. I can get you work. You can get you work. Right. If that's what you wanted to do. He doesn't want to do that. He wants to go to war. He wants to go to, you war know. War zones and all sorts of other issues. He yeah. talks about uh, and he's like soldiers. Yes. He talks about, you know, he he mentions going to the ends of the earth. Yeah. So. And she's he's like, you wouldn't. You know, you, you're gonna pack one bag. Like, how yeah, are you gonna you pack one bag? You you bathe once a week, maybe. Maybe you eat things that you wouldn't look at when you were when, when they were alive. alive. Yeah, right, so. yeah. So all of this, and she is not dissuaded. Right. She's like, and and me in my head, I'm like, ¿Por qué no los dos? Right. Six months on the road, six months in New York. Mm-hmm. This seems doable to but, me, yeah. especially with her funds. It's not like I feel that. What I liked about it is that they like very much like the other Hitchcock film that we respected, which was a n- notorious. Yeah, there's a real conflict between there the is. two people. There it's is. not, you know, neither of them. I can't sees... get him to love me, and he's like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, she's beautiful and perfect, but eh, yeah, yeah. That kind no, of he literally, and you can like, not when he's talking to her as much, but mm-hmm. certainly when he's talking to Stella. He's just like, he's clearly like, I am not good enough for this woman. Right. It's not you. It, it He he puts it to uh, Lisa like, mm-hmm. you couldn't hack my life. Right. You know, hack it in my lifestyle. But that's not what it is. It's literally just, I am not good enough for this. I don't bring anything to the relationship, which is how he words mm-hmm. it to Stella right at the beginning. And she's like, he she doesn't want anything from you. She's got... She's making it on her own. Right. She wants, she doesn't need you. She wants you, which I guess in 1950, you know, the mid 50s mm-hmm. was a novel thing. And like right. now that's what we're entering into where like women make their own money and don't well, need I, a man. I they like, want men. There's a, it feels very convincing their argument yeah. and their disagreement with each other at the very end of it. Yeah. He asked her if he can keep it to status quo, and she says, well, there's no it's, point to it. It's literally, he, uh-huh. she says, goodbye, and he says, you mean goodnight. Uh-huh. And she's like, I mean goodbye. And she opens the door, and he goes, well, well, <laughs> <laughs> well can't we keep it the status quo, as you say? She's like, there's no point to it. And he goes, well, <laughs> when, can I, when will I see you again? And she says, you know, 
as something like, it'll be a long time, or at least until tomorrow night, mm-hmm. and she is back again the next night. We should say, mm-hmm. and I don't know how much of this is real to their relationship. I mean, I know they're characters in a movie, so right. what's in the movie is true. They have not sought together. <laughs> Like in this relationship, I don't know if they have or they haven't. It's unclear. They seem to be uh-huh. like you see them. Like she's on his lap a lot, kissing him and uh-huh. trying to get her his attention. And she does at one point. She brings. She's like, I can pack him in one. You know, I can put. I can live off one suitcase. And right. she brings a suitcase over. And she's like, I'm staying the night. And he. She brings out all of like a very like a beautiful satin nightgown uh-huh. and like a like a gauzy robe and the and little slippers right and he's like uh well i only have one bed and she's like like that right that's why that was also it's interesting how the critics at the time said that parts of the film were they they called it a very strictly adult entertainment oh interesting um i would agree with that actually right and and i i agree too i saw it when i was a teenager but there's like it's an adults-only entertainment. Another a reviewer said that there were parts of it that were distasteful, or inappropriate, and yeah, it's that Jimmy Stewart doesn't get up on that. <laughs> That's <laughs> what's inappropriate. <laughs> on top of that, because she wants it. Yeah. I want to be very clear. She would be all in on that proposition. He Jimmy Stewart spends most of his time in this film, stuck in this chair, yeah. making up stories about all the people yeah. around him. And so I think that between Grace Kelly's just very openly yeah. hitting on him, not even just hitting on him, this kind of like there's a, a strong sexual tension there is, the yes, she film. is, and I think that's um, to reiterate. Mm-hmm. No, she wants to be here. Like right. she, she loves this man. She mm-hmm. loves him physically. She loves him emotionally and mentally. Like she's in love with him. And he is in love with her, but feels inadequate. Right. Welcome to being a man, I guess. So, you want to talk about all of his neighbors? Right, his neighbors. We should probably get it, because I think that was another thing that they found inappropriate, was that there was a lot of adult humor yeah. to this. So, the f- the first neighbor we ever get a name for, uh-huh. and y'all, they're not names. I'm, let me be very clear, these are no, I, I should point nicknames out, that he calls he's them. In his, the rear window of his apartment faces a courtyard. A courtyard. And this is based on an actual Greenwich Village uh, courtyard located in 125 Christopher Street. Oh, okay, so it's a really, specific... It's very famous now. Now it's famous. Because you can go there and see right. the basis for this. You right. can't Help see the for, thing because uh, it's a cat. It's a the The, filmmaker, set. the uh, set designer, right? He studied this place, got the building plans for it. The only difference is that he had to enlarge the size of the windows. Because they're not huge picture windows that you can look into. Yeah, these are massive windows, <laughs> right. which serve the purpose of the film. Right. Uh, it does feel like a play. You said mm-hmm. this is a play. It does feel like a play because we don't, we never leave the apartment, do we? No, we don't. Uh, we don't. We see out of the apartment. We see into the courtyard, I think, is the furthest we get. Yeah. But even, um, even but Mr. we Thorwald, stay with. We're across the way. We're always in distance. Yeah. Really. We stay where Jimmy Stewart is. Mm-hmm. So, once again, just like in Chinatown. Right. We are sticking with the. Protagonist. I yeah. guess he's the protagonist. All right, let's talk about these people. 
First, Miss Torso. She looks exactly like a Barbie doll. And she, as he pointed out, can bend like one, too. The first time you see her, she yeah. bends to the ground in a pair of pink panties. Yeah. And she looks like if you took a Barbie doll and bent it in half. It's bananas. She's a ballet dancer. She has no problem with dancing about in our house. Very um, scantily clad. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a... You know, strapless bra that doesn't go anywhere. They must be, like, glued to her body. I don't understand. Uh, and we see her at various times mm-hmm. dancing to herself, making her food, sh- like, getting ready in the bathroom. I thought it was funny because at one point she's, like, brushing her hair. Right. And she's just looking straight out the window as though she were looking into a mirror. But it's not a mirror. It's the window because she's looking at us. It's a, I'm like, that might be a little weird that's like a straight like i Uh guess there could be a mirror underneath the window it's just a strange setup uh and she we see her at one point entertaining some men who are probably like ballet um right donors uh who want more from her than she wants to give uh and and uh lisa very astutely is like no she's she's like doing her best to like navigate these men um and then so that's miss torso which is a i don't like that name but it's fine uh there are two new entries off to the right or the left hand side of the courtyard and those are newlyweds we see them like three times well four times we see them coming in and they're getting the, the the stuff from the landlord, and then the landlord leaves, and then the, he takes her back out and then picks her up and carries her over the threshold, and then they start kissing, and then she looks at the window, and he, like, rolls the window down, and then they go off to do their honeymooning, and we see him come two different times in the, like, five-day period right. that, we're, that we're with these characters, come to the window, open up the shades, like like disheveled come out light a cigarette and then you just hear Harry and then he's like oh, I gotta go back in so, which is hilarious so that's the entirety of their whole thing uh-huh. um, we have a woman uh, who is a she's a little bit nosy and she is a sculptor uh-huh. uh, that's on the downstairs across from him Above, we don't have anything of directly above her. I don't believe. No, I think the top floor is the, the top floor is a man and woman who yes. have a little dog, and the little dog gets in a get, goes into a basket, and is lowered down the three stories to the courtyard to do its business, and then comes back to the basket and is like pulling back up in the basket. And uh, it's very cute. It's a little Yorkie. And is that the same couple that sleeps outside? Yeah, they sleep on the fire They escape. sleep on the fire escape because mm-hmm. it is balls hot. Right. Like, you see, like, the the thermometer a couple of times. One, it's 80 degrees, and it's nighttime. Mm-hmm. And then finally at the end, you see it's, like, 70 degrees, and right. it's during the day. Or, like, 75, and it's during the day, and you see that it's coming that's how it ends it is the, the it's coming back down but uh and then below them directly across is 
uh, Raymond Burr. Right. We should also mention there's Ms. Lonely Hearts. Oh yes, but below, right at the on the bottom level, next door to the sculptor, right. is a is a woman who is outwardly and maybe inwardly as well desperate for a man. Mm. Yes, it's Ms. Lonely Hearts. We see her like pantomiming. Having a gentleman caller, like right. to That's bring to so dinner, sad. it's so sad. She like responds to him and like giggles a little uh-huh. bit, and she like um, kisses him, like takes a kiss on the cheek. From there's nobody there. Right. She pours them both a glass of wine, and then she sits and drinks the wine. She drinks the entire bottle of wine, y'all. It's sad. Later, uh-huh. she goes out and. Uh, goes to a restaurant. That might be the actually the time that we do go out because we see her, or is it right across? It's the right sliver? across. It's but you can see okay, it see through it between the, uh, the through the alley that yeah. goes okay into the courtyard directly. Yeah, because we do see a str- the other right. the opposite side of the street because he's looking at that first reasons later on. Um, and she goes over and then brings a man back to her apartment who is very forward with her and mm-hmm. she and he um and she kicks him out. Right. Because she wants love. She doesn't want sex, I yeah. guess. Or she doesn't want to be used for that. And it's very sad. And then... Um, There's the composer who lives in the penthouse. That's right. There's a composer. He's also very sad. Uh-huh. He's always surrounded by people who kind of want from him, mm-hmm. but don't really care about the music that he's playing. But everybody else listens to his music and is very right. moved They're by moved it. moved by it, yes. Yeah. Um, and like it, it's brought up a couple of times, like oh, I can't. It's so beautiful. Like, who, where is it coming mm-hmm. from? Like, so he's very talented, but it's not um, getting his. Uh, he he's not being seen for that. He's sort of being seen for the money that he can make for whoever's right. around him. Uh, see also the ballet dancer, right. uh, and then finally, I believe that's that's yeah, the, that's the cast of characters, uh-huh. and then we have Raymond Burr and his wife who they refer to as an invalid. And we do see her in bed most of the time that we see her. She's wearing a satin nightgown. And at one point, she does get up and walk into towards the other room because her husband is on the phone and she wants to know who he's talking to. So she's able to rise and walk a few steps. That's all we know about her. But normally, he's like bringing her food. He does, she doesn't get up. He's a traveling costume jewelry salesman. It turns out. He, we know he's a traveling salesman. We d- don't know until the end of his right. costume jewelry. It doesn't, it's not pertinent. But he does have like a, a metal, like a, like a silver, um, what do they call that? Like a sample case uh-huh. uh, that he does, that does play a bit of a role here. And he uh, appears to be making some long distance calls that his wife isn't super happy about. So all of this is happening. He's been watching these people for six weeks. He's got names Jeff for them all. Yeah. yeah. He's got names for them all. He knows what they're going to do and when they're going to do it. He doesn't love that he's spying on his neighbors, but also he has literally nothing, nothing else he can do. do. So Stella comes like morning and night. Um, we never talk about his bathroom abilities. I presume that he's got a catheter. He's eating solid foods. Yeah. I don't know. We don't talk about right. it. Um she comes, she, like, gives him massages, but also that might also be, like, cl- cleansing because he can't right. take a shower, right? He's got a plaster cast up to his waist. Um, she makes him food, these things. So 
uh, this is a nurse. She's been with him for six weeks, so now they've got a very friendly relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, and Lisa comes by. I, it sounds like most nights. Yeah. She doesn't stay the night, as we say. She she finally says she's going to. Like she, It seems like she never has before. But once again, it's the 50s, and we have right. to make everybody look chaste, regardless of where they are in their relationship. Because they've been together for... Seemingly quite a while. It seems that way. It's not a recent. I would get given probably a year I at least. I assume that the that it wasn't that they hadn't slept together yet. It's that he's in a cast, and so they haven't slept they, together for a while recently. Right? Yeah. Okay, that could be. And so he he being Jeff can't sleep one night, and he's looking out. It's after after mm. the fight with Lisa. Lisa. And he looks out and he sees his neighbor across the road, which we're going to go ahead and call him by his name, uh, even though we don't learn it until a little bit later. And his name is Lars Thorwald, Thorwald mm -hmm. which is a fantastic name. And the whole time I'm watching, like, although, like, I think we got halfway through and I was like, hey, is he going to speak in this movie? Like, you said that this is early in Raven first career. Well, what I found was that his, it was, he had been working as an actor for a, a quite a, he's done quite a few films before this. Got you. But this is the biggest part he'd had up to that point, and this is before he went off and took off in his career and started playing the main villain in a lot of film noir before he was the... So this kicked that off for him. Right, so before that's cool. he was edited into Godzilla, which is what right. as a kid I remember. So strange. It. And then, of, and course, then of course, Perry Mason. Well before Perry Mason yeah. and Ironsides and all the other characters that he oh, created. Oh, he was Ironsides. Yeah. I've never seen that show. Um, but And you were like, he does talk. But he doesn't mm -hmm. talk a lot. No. You, you hear maybe, what, seven, eight lines? Yeah. Like, it's not a lot. And, and most of what you see of him is across from, like, waist up. Mm -hmm. Small. Because <laughs> he's across the courtyard. Uh, which is very interesting given that he is sort of known for his eloquence and right. his voice, and you just don't get that in this. Uh, so one evening he sees um, this man go back and forth out of his apartment three different times uh, in the rain. This is like, it's pouring rain this, this night, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and he keeps going and coming back. And Jeff's watching, and he's like, I don't understand what's happening. And then uh, he falls asleep, uh -huh. and then we see Thorwald uh, usher a woman out. So we see that, he does not see that. And then the next morning, the wife isn't there. And he, and he starts telling... Stella, that he thinks something's fishy. Like, why would you do... Like, why would... Like, in the middle of the night, it was like three in the morning. Like, what is he doing? Uh, and Stella's like, you've really got to stop watching these people. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring me my, my big, fucking, huge lens it's camera. Enormous telephoto lens. It must be a foot and a half long, that thing. It is, it's it's huge. massive. So she's like, okay. She gives it to him. And so he starts watching uh, uh -huh. Thorson through the window. We see him, he has rolled up the mattress on the bed and mm -hmm. um, is going to have that taken away. He has a big trunk in his living room that movers come and take. 
Uh, and then he starts, he being Jeff, starts sharing his um, concerns with both Stella and Lisa. And uh, binoculars get involved. And then they both start getting on the thing of like, no, he's definitely, like, something's going on. Like well, I, That's <laughs> what I like about the film, is the fact that you have these three rational people, we've been with them long enough to where we feel like we got to know them and what, got to know what their positions are. And watch watching all three of these people become more and more convinced that this is going on. Which is, here's the thing. There are two ways this could go. Mm-hmm. One, they're bonkers and they are going to persecute right. an innocent man. Two, the way that it goes, which is, they fucking figure everything out. Right. <laughs> um, mm. And, like, Lisa's, like, her big contribution is no woman's going to leave her jewelry behind. Because they see him, he's got her, his wife's, they they see Thorwald, he's got his wife's handbag. Mm-hmm. It's her favorite bag that was hanging next to her bed so that right. she could reach it any time. And it is full of jewelry. And Lisa's like, nah, nah, women don't, mm-mm. No, there's no way that you would hang. Like, you would not... If You wouldn't leave of your own volition leaving that stuff behind. Right. You just wouldn't. Um, Jeff's point is, you don't leave at 3 o'clock in the morning. Multiple times. Right. You don't leave at 3 o'clock in the morning, and she's not there the next day, so she disappeared sometime that night. And Stella starts making um, very blunt things, like, he's probably, you know... he. Where, 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 where is, you know, why is there no blood or whatever? And he's like, oh, it's probably in the bathroom. <laughs> like, well, and right. they're talking, like, they're, they're talking about how this woman was probably murdered and dismembered, but they can't talk about it. They can't even say the word blood, except Stella definitely can. And when she, she does, right. yeah, that's right. And when she does, like, Fucking Jeff loses his appetite and shit. Like they're very uh, well soft. Well, Lisa, <laughs> especially we, since he's been in war zone. Right, like, dude. Lisa is um, she? Well, early in the film, there is a scene where we actually jump out of his bedroom for the first time. Mm. Really, we get close-ups of some of the actors that we've only seen from a distance. Excuse me. Like at the very end. Uh, no, no. This is when uh, the dog dies. Oh, yeah, but we don't get super close-ups. Right. Well, we just get a close-up very briefly of this torso because people run to their windows to find out what's going on. Oh, when this... Okay. Right. Okay, yeah. And I thought that that was all um, at the very, very end, but the, you're right. Yeah. The dog winds up... The dog, who's let down in the rope, keeps walking over to the uh, flower bed. Yeah, where we've seen Thorwald. He works with roses right. over there. And he and keeps shooing it away. And then one day it's like digging, digging, digging. And then he's like nicer to it than he's uh-huh. ever been. He's just like scoops it and it's like, get on. And then like pats the stuff back into place. And then I was like, wow, he was real chill about it. <laughs> and then it turns out not so much. And then that night the dog up here, or like uh, ends up. With a broken neck. Broken neck. Dead um, on the ground. And you can sort of see it. Raymond Burr is a very big guy. He's massive. And this dog is. Tiny. So small. So you could just see him sort of like popping. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. That's what, the way that this film works is that there's a lot of it that you are using your imagination for. You don't see Mrs. Thorwald no. cut to pieces. You just see uh, Mr. Thorwald with a huge saw and a hanger. That's like, right. He's got a, like like a, something a like a machete. Right. Like it's, it's what butchers have used like when they're shearing off uh, pieces of a like a um, cow. 
Uh, yes, but what they when the, the the Middle Eastern dish where they layer the meat and they're just sort of sharing off. Oh yeah, yeah, like hero or whatever. Effectively, yeah. a short sword is what Shwerma, it is. I think is the. Um, but yeah, it's as long as a machete. It's yeah. Massive. My dad used and to have he's one. Wrapping it in paper and throwing right. away. So then we get the in the midst of this, we uh, get sort of the fourth main character, and that is a cop named Doyle who is friends. I lose use the term loosely. With, well, uh, they with were, Jeff. Yeah, they were in the war together. Yeah, they, they were in an together, airplane yeah. together. They uh, so they kind of give each other a hard. They give time. each other a lot of a hard time. Yeah, and so when there's a really funny scene, and it's Wendell Corey, who people who will remember who like films from this period, he was a great character actor too. Mm. This film is just sort of like there's a lot of great performances stuffed in the corners. Yeah. And Hitchcock did like we mentioned uh, when we talked about Vertigo mm-hmm. with Barbara Belgetti's. I yeah. know what you're capable of. I'm just going to put you here and do what you do. Just do it. And so he's stuffing this with Wendell Corey and Thelma Ritter and Raymond yeah. Burr and all these other people. Um, and there's a great scene where the night that Lisa's planning to spend over. Yeah. That's like the, <laughs> se- the first night that right. he's there. No, second. Yeah. He he sees the the she's opened up her overnight bag and right. all of the uh, the beautiful lingerie type thing, nightgown. It's not lingerie, but it's mm-hmm. lingerie um, is like just spilling out of it, and he just keeps looking at it and then looking at Jeff and just like, mm. right, you know, steady, steady, Tom, steady. <laughs> Shut your <laughs> mouth. It's very <laughs> and funny. she br- she makes some cookies or like. No, she, she makes she some brings, coffee, excuse right. me. Um, and then she brings some cocktails. She brings some drinks and she's making the coffee. And right. then he like looks at it and sh- and or just looks at her and he, she's like, and? Right. Like she doesn't say that, but like she just looks at him in the face and like, what are you going to, what? Are you gonna, what? Again, it reminds me a lot of Ingrid Bergman's kind of defiant, yeah. this is who I am character. Yeah. And if you don't like it, that's too bad for you. Yeah. It's not, um, yeah, that's a you problem, not a me problem. Right. So it's fine. But, um, uh, and I, and then he, yeah, and then uh, Jeff is like, "Don't, just right. don't, don't fucking say anything." How's your wife? I think <laughs> he says. <laughs> oh no, that's when he's she's he's looking at Miss Torso across right. the way, and I'm like, "Well, first of all, you fucking hypocrite." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, and then yeah, but Doyle like finally goes, "Okay, well, I'll ask around." Uh-huh. So, uh, and already we know that his name is Lars Thorwald because is it is it Lisa or Stella that goes and looks at... I think at, it's Lisa who goes over and looks at his mailbox. At the mailbox. But I think it's Stella that what, does it first and then right. Lisa does everything else. What we... Uh, what I was mentioning though before about the reason why I brought up the dog... Oh, yeah. ...is that there is a scene where the dog after it's been murdered... Uh, been killed, yeah. rather. Uh, Jeff is able to look at a slide he took of the the, uh, the yard earlier. Right, that's right. And he notices that the uh, flowers are higher, or some Lower. Lower than they the were. The yellow before. flowers, the, I think he says yellow zinnias, mm. are lower than they used to be, and which is not how flowers work. And, and that's when you get this really funny interchange between Lisa and Stella where it's like, what do you think? Should we go dig it up? And yeah. He's and like, he's like, no. fucking no. Have you seen the size of this guy? Yeah. You, know, you saw what he did to the dog <laughs> for digging at the thing. Why, what? Right, and we know that, we know as in terms of what he thought he knew, he has chopped up his wife. So yeah. he obviously has no They believe that he's chopped up his wife and, yeah. and buried her in there, or 
part of her in right. there. They think maybe like her jewelry or her wedding ring mm-hmm. in there. And but there's a very funny exchange where Lisa and Stella are going, uh, "Do you think it's Mrs. Thorwald?" And and Stella's like, "Well, I think she's everywhere. I think there's part of her in the East River." I yeah, think. that's right. And then she goes, well, I think we should go dig it up. Well, I always wanted to meet Mrs. Thorwald. And they're just carrying right. on. And that's when Lisa goes, wait, I think we're the biggest pair of ghouls. Yeah, well, are like, we the what worst? Are we doing? But then immediately they go do it. Right. So before that, Doyle goes and finds out, or like uh-huh. does some digging. And he's like, that it's it's these two. She's gone upstate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, two people saw him at the train station. Da, 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 and immediately both of them are like, they saw a woman, but did I do either of the, like, could either of them ID uh-huh. Mrs. Thorwald? And no, because they they never seen Mrs. Thorwald. Yeah. They just saw a woman. And uh, so Doyle tries to wave them off, and they're like, "Nah, I believe that that's the mistress." Because we also see um, Thorwald calling long distance mm-hmm. a few times, uh, and in one of those cases, it was something like, uh, "If she." had set word to him that she was safe, why would he then call to see if she right. was safe? Something like that. Right. It was like this was inconsistency the, the in the trunk story. that was wrapped up in rope that they thought was Mrs. Thorwald. Yeah. And may very well have been. We actually don't know. Um, it arrived. It was sitting at the train station. It got picked up and all. And the excuse was, well, she oh. went upstate and she spent time there. Yeah. Um, but again, and and that uh, she she sent word that she was already feeling better. Right. And so why would she do that if he'd called her and got that information from her the night before yeah. the long distance call? Right. Which is reasonable. Like, yeah. So he put her on the train and then called long distance before she got there? Well, yeah, there's sort of some it. weird inconsistencies, uh-huh. which is because he's a murderer. Right. So uh, they they keep building, they keep building... Doyle finally goes, yeah, I think something's fishy, but I don't have... Right. I can't just go over there. Which is where reality comes into the situation. Mm. I cannot go over and get a search warrant. I like my job. (laughs) I like my job, and I'm not... No, we're not doing that. Because they're like, well, can't you just... He's he's not there right now. Why don't you just go into the house and find the wedding ring? Because they think that one of the things that was there was her wedding ring. Right. And there's no way that she's leaving her wedding ring behind. And I'm like, well... They should have made up a story that she they had separated because then wedding ring could be yes. left behind. But they didn't make that story up. Uh, so he's like, "You guys gotta fucking let this go. You gotta leave it alone. Mm-hmm. There's nothing we can do um, until like a missing persons report is filed or something. Like there's no, right. I can't do it. And uh, so then Lisa's like, "Well, fuck it, let's go." And like while they're talking about, oh, should we dig it up? They just decide to. Right. They Stella and Lisa go downstairs, scale the wall. And then I was like, how are they gonna get out? <laughs> like they're in a closed off, you know, mm-hmm. thing which they figure out because there are doors through, like through the apartment building. But I was just like, they're really locking themselves into a very small thing. Um they they get in because uh, is that no? I can't remember. They scale a wall. They go over. They Was try digging up. Was that the first time or the like? Because what she did okay earlier to try to get some sort of provocation from Thorwald. Yeah. They leave him a letter saying, "Where's your wife?" That's right. Which Lisa comes over and delivers, and she delivers it downstairs. Yeah, really she shoves it under the door, and uh-huh. I'm like, 
you better fucking run. Because if I see, like, uh-huh. a random envelope come out under my door, right. I'm fucking looking to see who did that. Because you were literally just here. Uh, so she does that, and then she runs away. And then he, so we see him, and she had looked, and she wasn't there. And then he reads the note, and he, like, looks around. And then he runs after her, but she escapes. She right. gets free. Um, and it's something like, we know what you did to her, I think is what it says. And, man, I hate watching actors write in a movie. It's always like, wow, your handwriting sucks. Well, it's supposed <laughs> to be large enough for the audience. I know, so it's all, but it's, it's still his handwriting. Right? Like, it's it's wild. But, yeah, I, I, that's when... Jeff begins to look at her with different eyes. Mm-hmm. There's a scene of like, wait a minute, maybe she could have. Yeah. she comes back from her mission. Where like, yeah, he's got a look <laughs> on his face like the most puppy dog, right? Like, in love look, like this you? bitch could, right. like could hang with me. Yeah. Like he's seeing, especially yeah. And when you when you're watching that scene, it's not there are no doubles in this scene. It is Grace Kelly and Thelma Ritter creeping up, creeping yeah. down. Um, and then later, with the dog thing, she climbs up the fire escape. Well, the, right. yeah, that's in the same time as they're digging, actually. So, right, the digging. Um, they, but that's after the letter. Yeah, so they do the letter, and then we get some real creepy scenes uh-huh. of Thorwald sitting in the fucking dark, smoking a cigar, and all you see is the tip of the yes, cigar lighting and going, like, out. Right. And then he'll take another puff, and it lights up, and then it goes out. It's... So creepy. <laughs> um, and Jeff is like, that's fucked up. That's <laughs> right. They start being like, he looks like somebody who's being watched. Like, he's nervous. Uh-huh. And uh, they start trying to hide. Because he's just, he's in a wheelchair this whole movie. Mm-hmm. Like, to a point where I was like, is he? can he not lay down? But the nurse at one point is like, the insurance company would be much happier if you would sleep in bed instead of this right. chair. Because that, I think, might be why she's massaging him. Know. Because his not you're not supposed to just sit in a chair for seven weeks straight. Uh, so, um, so, yeah, they finally get to a point where they're like, well, we have to see if the ring is in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, so they start by, they're going to go dig up the dog. Or like no, not dig up right. the dog. Dig up the the flower bed, but there's nothing there. Right. Was it right before this? He, <laughs> Jeff calls Thorwald. Yes, it was right before this. Jeff calls Thorwald to get him out of the house. Tells him to meet him at the bar and restaurant. That's the same one that Miss Lonely Hearts picked it up. That one I thought yeah. it was a no. It's further away because sure? he goes away. Yeah, because okay. you're not going to do it that close. So he goes away. But this time, this call, I was like, I figured that he would call him and then not say anything. But then he does say all the things. He mm-hmm. says, we know what you did. Uh, we want money. Uh, he, and Thorwald's like, I only have a hundred bucks. He's like, that's a start. Meet me at this place and I'll mm-hmm. be looking for you. And he does that with his actual voice. Y'all. Jimmy Stewart has one of the most identifiable voices of all time. And he does nothing. I'm like, well, I hope you never meet your fucking neighbor because he's definitely going to know that you tried to extort him. Uh, I just thought it was wild. I was like, we're not going to muffle it. We're not going to do anything. Okay. Okay. 
And then, yeah, the ladies go downstairs, and he's like, I cannot believe they're fucking doing this. They scale the wall, they dig, and there's nothing there. And they look up, and they're like, it's not, there's nothing. And, because he had said to, um, one of you needs to look out, and I will signal if he's coming. And, and then, because they're not supposed to be, Right. The plan is not to go into the apartment. Mm-hmm. And then, because she can't find anything in the flower bed, she's like, fuck it, I'm going in. And she climbs up the fire escape, she being Lisa, mm-hmm. in a beautiful fucking dress. She climbs up the fire escape, she climbs over the fire escape, and, like, scales the wall right. over to the like window. Batman is very... I'm like, she's full-on Catwoman right, right now. And then she gets herself inside. At this point, Stella's back in the apartment with Jeff. Yeah. Okay. Um. Does she come back? Yeah, she comes yeah, back. Yeah, she does. She comes all the way back. And they're both watching, like, right. oh, my God. But also, Jeff is supposed to be watching out for Thorwald, and he fucking is Now, the reason why he doesn't <laughs> is that Mrs. Lonely Hearts That's right. Is having At the this, same time, right, Miss Lonely Hearts is, she's got a big bottle of red pills and mm-hmm. Stella is a nurse and she's like that's enough to of that drug to knock out half the state. Yeah. Um and and they're like they're talking about whether she's gonna take too many of them or whatever and then she gets up and starts writing. He goes, see she's fine and I'm like no. she's definitely writing a suicide no you dumb fuck and she is and she takes a bunch of the pills with mm-hmm. I believe some wine and they're like we gotta call the police like she's gonna die. We need to call the. Well, pills. she doesn't. She doesn't take the pills yet. She's like sitting there with the pills, and she has it in her hand. And so they start paying oh, attention right, to, to her. Oh, right, to start, yeah. And that's when Thorwald is returning to the apartment. But the, and then, she, but she's only st- she was about to take right. the pills, but she stopped because the musician right is starts playing music, and it gets her attention, and she is wrapped by that and is pulled out and of she whatever. Feels horribly ashamed and sad, and never. Uh, but at the same time, Lisa's but she, do, he does call the police right. on her, um, or for her. At the same time, they're yeah, they're they're missing, and then they see Thorwald coming up the hallway, right. and they are like, "You gotta get out of there!" And she sees them, and she she doesn't understand what they're she saying. She looks in the yeah. she looks in the handbag, and she like shakes mm-hmm. her head because um, it's not there. And then she starts looking around at different places, and she's you know not paying attention, and also like couldn't hear down the hall if he was coming and she's supposed to be uh, warned. (laughs) uh, At that point, we see Thorwald coming in and uh, she's caught. Like, she hears him at the door. She, like, tries to hide in the back. There's, like, there's a wall between the split between the living room and the bedroom. Uh Um, So one window is in the bedroom and one window is in the living room. We see him come in. She, he doesn't respond to anything or to her to being there, and then he goes into the other room, and then we see her sort of trying to reason with him, like, mm-hmm. you know, I I'm here on accident. Which <laughs> how 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 his door is locked. You came in through the window. How are you gonna? Mm-mm. So he and he's like, I don't believe you. And he, we don't hear this, but mm-hmm. we see it. And then he starts like attack. He attacks her, mm-hmm. and. He's twice Huge. her size, maybe three times right. her size, and uh, it's not good. And then they do call the police. Well, the police have been the called. The police are already there, right. and he's like, and then they say, you know, they're like, 
there's a woman on the third floor being attacked, or the second right. floor being attacked, and they do gum up and uh, Doyle's with them, I believe, right. uh, at that point because I think they oh he had called Doyle as well, Doyle's wife, who's right. hilarious. We only hear her on the phone, and uh, she knows Jeff and kind of gives him crap, which is very funny. Um, but she, and then the babysitter. Um, is also there. And she's like, he's like, if you hear from him, give, tell him to give me a call. Because this is the time when you'd be out at dinner with your wife and you would call home from the restaurant's phone to right. see if everything was cool with the babysitter. God damn, I love a cell phone. Um, and, uh, they come in and they break it up and they take her away because she is the one who right. committed a crime here. This is his apartment. But we see her, like, put her hands behind her back to be handcuffed, and she, like, wiggles her finger because she has found the wedding ring. ring. Yep. Uh, which, and she goes down to the station, and uh, Doyle and Jeff talk, and she's he's like, you gotta go get her. She's at the station, and oh, no, she, he wasn't with them then, but he talks to, because no, he says, right. a- she was arrested, she's down at 6th Precinct, um, I, you gotta go get her, uh, she's got some evidence for you, whatever. And at that point... Stella goes to go bail her out. Yeah. Uh, they, they put together their money, so Stella is now contributing money to yes, getting this rich to get her out. Yeah. out of jail. Right. And, I'm uh, sure she'll get it back. <laughs> she, uh, the funny part is, she's like, well, you know, we only have... So, uh, I forget how much... How much how it was short like $26, right. and they thought it would be at least 100 <laughs> And then he goes... Uh, she, uh, Stella goes, well, when they meet Lisa, the cops will start donating money to Donating it's money. Like, and I'm like, you <laughs> think that they're going to not want her around so they can look at her? Right. Because that's the cops I'm aware of. But yeah, she takes off, and at that point, Thorwald oh, sees Jeff. that Lisa had been flashing, like, who's... He makes the connection. She's... Giving a hand signal to somebody, yeah, and she look. He looks up, and that's a kind of a jarring moment where he's looking directly at us for the first time. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh God, he sees <laughs> us!" And they try and like scoot back, and I'm like, uh, "Yeah, that wasn't fucking." Yeah, that wasn't uh, cool. Would like, be cool, guys? Yeah, very cool. And uh, so then he, he, Jeff is alone in the apartment, mm-hmm. and Stella has left the door open, and I was like, "Oh no!" And he's like, "I can't." Like he sees Thorwald fucking coming, and he's mm-hmm. like, "I can't." Do anything. I can't get out of here. Uh, there are steps up to his bedroom, which is probably why he doesn't sleep in his bed. And uh, he goes and gets his ca- a camera. And I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? And Thorwald comes in and is basically like, you know, what do you think you know or whatever? And Jeff is no, like... No, all the lights are off at this point. He's yeah. turned off all the lights. He's turned off all the lights. That's the one thing he could do. He could turn off the lights and he could get this camera. And this is the six lines or whatever that mm-hmm. Raymond Burr has in the whole movie, and it's basically like, I'm going to kill you to get away with my other murder. Like, he admits to it, mm-hmm. basically. And he's coming towards Jeff. Of course, Jeff is sitting in front of a wide-open window, and I'm mm-hmm. like, well, he doesn't even have to, like, struggle. You're right. you're an invalid. He's going to just chuck you out this window. That is the plan. Uh, at, but to slow him down, Jeff sets off these flash bulbs, which are super bright in this dark room. Like, he ha- he covers his own eyes mm-hmm. behind the flash. And it, ke- it like, blinds Thorwald every time that it happens. And then, meanwhile, he's got to, when it, after it's done, he's got to unscrew it and screw in the next one. Right. It's like, uh... It's like shooting at an oncoming buffalo with a musket. <laughs> like well, keep... the, 
For those of you who don't remember the good old days, that bulb actually cracked. Yeah, it and breaks. It goes molten. Yeah, and you That's have the to. Thing. He's, he's doing it with, with his hands because I was like, "Yeah, aren't those hot?" Right, because we used to have something similar, and yeah, there was a second where you the have thing to wait that, that you causes the flash is an explosion, right, like exactly. a real legitimate explosion. And so he—that's he, a sign of how desperate he is. Yeah. He's pulling these things out with his bare hands, okay. replacing, and he them. does it like six times, and then we see, we do see what Percy's mm-hmm. like the black and then right. the sort of. The, the dark red that comes back into your vision after uh-huh. you um, after you're temporarily blinded like that, which right. I've experienced. I don't know if you've something yeah. super bright in a dark room where your eyes are just like, oh, what? <laughs> and so it's slow. So he only takes a couple of steps between each of the flashes, but eventually, right? Uh, we see as he's ending, like as I think when he has like two left, uh-huh. we see Doyle. I want to say Stella's over there, Lisa and a couple of cops running up to Thorwald's um, door. Uh-huh. And then I guess they see the flashes or they might see him coming out the fucking window right. and they run back around. And when they do get to Jeff's apartment, he is, as we said before, hanging from the windowsill. Because that's what Jimmy Stewart does in an Alfred Hitchcock movie he hangs by his fingertips from something and they pull Thorwald off and before they can reach Jeff he falls uh-huh. but there are cops underneath him that catch him which is well not catch him they break his they break fall. his fall they do a thing but then right. yeah they just break his fall and I'm like I bet he broke his other leg right then and mm-hmm. you guys he totally next did scene. <laughs> the next scene um he is He's asleep. Uh-huh. We open on his face asleep well, the in the wheelchair. The, the thermometer right. has gone down, right? And um, actually, I think we see all the people outside, and mm-hmm. like we get sort of closure right. on all of the stories, uh, except maybe the 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 uh, honeymooners. I think that they. I think maybe the window shade is up. Like uh-huh. they've <laughs> they're taking a quick break. We see Miss Torso, uh-huh. her husband comes back, and he's like this, he looks like Rick Moranis. Right. <laughs> like he's this little dude with glasses, and he's been at war. Like, he's a he's soldier. A soldier and she, like, she's, like, a f- head taller than him, but she, like, hugs on him and kisses him, and then he's like, what do we have to eat? Like, <laughs> And then um, Miss Lonely Hearts is in the apartment with the composer, and he's uh-huh. playing her music. So that's very sweet. The dog the couple with the dog who was killed has a new little puppy and they're like we're gonna try it one more time you gotta stay in the basket <laughs> like so she's training this dog how to you know right because she's not going down those stairs to take this dog out she's just not gonna do it um and then the um the sculptor is just she's finished the piece that she was working on which is called hunger and she's like just sleeping in um in her like lawn chair. Uh-huh. Is that everybody? I, I think that's everybody. Think so yeah. And then we pay, come into the apartment, and Jeff is asleep. We pull back, and he's got both of his legs and cats, but he's sleeping so peacefully. And then we scan over to loafers and um, like rolled up jeans uh-huh. and um, like a button down shirt. So um, it's Lisa. She's reading. I think a book 
it's like a travel book mm-hmm. on some place, and I can't remember where it is. And um, but she's like, she's still like done up, mm-hmm. but she's done down. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, then she like looks over at him sleeping, and she like puts the book down and picks up like a Harper's Bazaar or something, and then just starts flipping through the pages. And uh, that's the end. Right. They're gonna live happily ever after. So, Thorwald was a big murderer, and they solved. That's yeah. I I really the ending of that film. I have to agree. The last maybe ten or fifteen minutes of that film. Yeah, it's almost excruciating at times. Like, and it's yeah, and it's like oh god. Right. So but then the other the other thing that I like, and uh-huh. that Vertigo doesn't do this right. We don't get like a, a neat closure. Mm-hmm. Is that all of the sort of little stories that have been playing out right. get beautifully kind of nicely resolved. They all have little bows on them, which you could say is like sort of trite, but I don't care. I liked I, it. I, yes. I, I think that in this case, though, we're, we're left, we get a resolution for all these people that we've also come to care mm-hmm. what happens to them. Um, and there are some neat surprises, like Miss Torso's boyfriend. Yeah, husband, being, I think, probably. Her husband being the, the short, <laughs> this short little guy. dude. Because she, yeah, she's fighting off all these, like, attractive men right. or older men. And she loves this little this right. little soldier with his little glasses. Um, the one thing I will say uh-huh. um, about the relationship, the, the Lisa-Jeff relationship at the end, is it does appear that she has to do all of the changing and he has to do none of it, and I don't love that. I don't know that that's the case. We I don't know, know. Right, we don't know in the end. We, She's still going to be herself. She's still going to be herself. And I hope that they come to a compromise. Like, right. it makes sense that they go on assignment. Mm-hmm. Where she can go, she goes with. Where she can't, right. she doesn't. Maybe she stays in, like, hotels close right. to the locale, but not at the locale. And then they spend... Six months of the year, or whenever he's not yeah. actively working in the city, and he can do portraits or you know work for the New York Times or whatever. Like you There's could also, do, you could make both of these a, work. A time limit on how long you can do that for sure. Photography, and he's significantly older than her. Uh-huh. I don't know how old they are in reality to each other, but they. I don't know if his hair is naturally as gray as it is in this movie, uh-huh. but it is. So, like, he's got this silver, is his silver like, period, full but he went on from blonde to silver. Silver and hair. And what's interesting is he goes back to blonde in um, in Vertigo years later. Yeah. Which is funny yeah. to me. But that's what the thing, that's the thing. Like, first of all, Raymond Burr has a, has, his hair is so white, it mm-hmm. looks like it's got that, um, I don't know if you remember that spray hair, yeah. from, oh, yeah. like hair in a can from, like, the, I want to say late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, that was that was a thing. That, but the the white version of it. Right. Like, it looks like the thing that you do to kids when they're playing old people in a school play right. when they're in elementary school. It's just so white. Yeah. Um, you said he does look like your dad. Right. He, he, <laughs> my dad went silver when he was in his mid-30s. And so we have a picture of him. And my dad was this big, stocky, broad-shouldered yeah. guy. And I'm like... When I was a kid, it's like, oh, he looks like my dad. Especially from him. that far away. Right, and he yeah. had the glasses and everything, although my, the photograph you have of my dad doesn't have, doesn't have glasses. glasses, but he did resemble him. Um, yeah, Raymond Burr's an interesting character, too, because he was very, he had he was also homosexual. And so oh, I didn't he, know that. He uh, kept that secret. He had these sort of public outpacing relationships, but That's as a, a gay bummer. man. 
Um, he just kept very quiet about his private life. But he mentioned being a, like when he was born, he was 12 pounds. Oh, he was, so he's he been was big just forever. Big forever. And he said, yeah, there was always the issues when I was a kid of being the fat kid, you know, sort of. And the trouble he would, uh. He oh, yeah, to, I never knew that. But, Married to Isabella Ward, uh, mm-hmm. 1948, divorced in 1952, and then partner Robert, uh, Benavides from 1960 to 1993. Yeah. I love that for And them. what's really <laughs> very funny is the fact that, uh, I mean, for me, given my, my film history, uh, he not only was very, he was never embarrassed by Godzilla. No. He did that first film. He loved it. And he's, he, in some ways, he's identified with it. He was this big. Yeah. Overly large, too strong for Ooh, his own good. Twelve point seven five right. pounds at birth. Woof. So that he he kind of felt so the rest of his life he kind of he was really fond of him, uh, which is kind of neat that that he was able to make that connection. But um, yeah, I it, it you like the film overall? I love the film overall. Yeah, no, I thought it was great, especially because I was I left <laughs> Vertigo. Uh-huh. Has its moments, but it left a bad taste in my Vertigo mouth. Vertigo is is a movie about. It's kind of like there's another film, Peeping Tom, that Paul and Pressburger did, which is kind of about perverts. <laughs> I don't know any better way to put it. And Vertigo is also about perverts, right? And this is a film about boredom drawing you into something that could easily become perversion, but that's not really what he's doing. He's just he's a person who takes pictures for a living. He's always staring out of windows. Uh, or staring, rather, at life from the outside. So it's only natural that sitting there with nothing else to do, he starts looking at his neighbors. Yeah. So it's not like he's doing this because he's getting his kicks off of it. No. This is just, I got nothing else to do. I got nothing else to do. Which I'm like, there's TV. But I guess then there wasn't. Not much in the way of TV. I mean, yeah. And a lot of times it was playing the same things over and over again, right? Yeah, so I guess that's not... But yeah, no, this is one of my favorite, probably my favorite Hitchcock film when you put all the elements together. Because I like these particular people, and that you do, yeah. I get, like, by the end of the film, I'm going, oh, my God. Oh, there's a, there is a quick cameo. He's uh, in, he's in I think, the composer's right, apartment at there. one point. Um, but, yeah, no, it's really good, and it's, like, watchable. Yeah. Because the three of them, the, th- the three main characters that we spend most of our time with right. have really good rapport and are very funny. And I don't, I, I, hmm. I'm trying to stop with the idea that, oh, if it's a funny line, it was ad-libbed. That's mm-hmm. 98% of the time not right. true. Uh, writers are important. They're good. We're, we're, we're recording this the day after there's a tentative agreement yes. on the t- t- table for the for WGA. By the time this um, airs, hopefully, 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 the writers will be happy with the final uh, outcome. And then maybe the producers will go talk to the actors. They haven't even done that yet. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Rear Window. If you haven't seen it, I know we just spoiled it, but also it's a 60-year-old movie. Right. More than that. Watch it, though. It's, like, super watchable. Like, I know what happens, and I'll totally watch this yeah. movie again. And it's been, also, it's been, the problem with the classic is that there's so many imitators of it right. that you've seen bits and pieces. Yeah. All over the place. But it still feels, and I think it is down to the chemistry of the three yeah, so performers, it feels fresh. It doesn't feel like, I think oh, this is this probably before. one of Grace Kelly's better roles in the film. 
I think it was one of her favorites. Hitchcock thought it was his favorite. It, it is one of her favorites, uh, yeah. Hitchcock thought it was one of his favorites of all the films yes. he did. Yeah. Because it's there, it, again, because it was written for her, it doesn't even seem like this is the same actress from Dial M for Murder. For sure. Because here you're getting her sense of humor, you're getting everything that's sort of charming about her that made everyone... Also, High Noon. Right. Where she's so staid. And so, you know, frightened. Yeah. And she's, and, and she's a good character, but you don't get the what casting agents and what directors were seeing that makes I, her... Yeah, in person, uh-huh. she's going to be one of those people where you the right. charisma just glows off of her and you cannot take your eyes off her. And that's kind Separate of... from her... Right. Her looks. She just... She, I bet she just had this aura about her that was just, like, unmistakable and sort of um, unignorable. Right. And I, I think that was the, the case, is that because the parts offered to women at the time didn't mm. really capture that, this yeah. is the part where she was able to just, because it was written with her in yeah. mind, be herself and just sort of fully inhabit it, and so you get... Sexy Grace Kelly, you get funny Grace Kelly, yeah. you get uh, her being charming or her, you know, and then daring and like, like yeah, and adventurous. The scene where I, I think that really won me over um, was when uh, Detective Doyle uh-huh. is telling Jeff that he's out of his mind. You know, they're yeah. sitting there sifting brandy. Yeah. They um, are at one point. They're just all right, just having this very swirling this brandy, about yeah. And when he kind of gives, because he knows Jeff so well, kind of snaps at him a little bit. She immediately comes over and stands between the two of them, and she's like protecting him. Yeah, and it's like, oh, there yeah. you go. No, she's a she's also a mama bear. Yeah, right. no, she's super good in this, and I think. And we can revisit this after we've watched, watched the rest of the Hitchcock that right. we're going to do. This feels like the most real characters. Yeah. Even though a lot of the characters are like, we're only seeing like sort of these performative vignettes. Mm-hmm. They all seem real too. Right. Uh, but yeah, these, I, this feels like the strongest character piece. Yeah, these are people that I've seen know, of his. I yeah. think is that, that's the other thing. And they seem real. They're like right. well-rounded. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that is also down to good actors. Yeah. You hire good people, and then you let them do what they do. What a concept. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's Rare Window. You guys watch it. It's super good. Um, next week, mm-hmm. something, I believe, Completely very different. different. Um, I wouldn't know. I've never seen it. Uh, that's Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, it's very different. It's fine. It'll be fine. I'm going to like it or something. <laughs> well, you've never seen a Warren Beatty movie? No, you I, did. You liked Heaven Can Wait. I have seen a couple of yeah. Warren Beatty movies. Yes, I did like Heaven Can Wait. Um, also... But that was a comedy. This is not... Was he Dick Tracy in that weird Dick yes, Tracy movie? Dick I saw Tracy. that weird Dick Tracy movie, but also I was very young when I saw it, so I don't right. know if it, like, is yeah. in there. But yeah, I don't... He's... There's a caper movie that he did that was actually very good. I'll <gasps> see if I can dig it out. Yes, please. I love a caper about movie. About a card. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Give me all the heists. Okay. So, yeah. So, we'll figure that out. And we'll talk about it next week, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, next week. Um, maybe we should do caper movies next. Bonnie and Clyde. I don't hate the idea. <laughs> I love watching a plan come oh, yeah. together. It's like my favorite thing. <laughs> so, uh, but it, they're hard to talk about. 
So we'd have to figure out a right. different format. Uh, I may be cutting all of this part out. Um, so between now and then, other than Bonnie and Clyde, do you have anything you want to recommend? Yes. Um, I have been watching, and I'm nearly done with, and mm-hmm. I don't know why I didn't recommend this earlier, a television show called Prehistoric Planet. It's on Apple TV. It's on Apple TV. And it is narrated by... Um, David? David Attenborough. It's like, I just want, don't want to say Richard Attenborough because nope. that's wrong. That's David Attenborough. The <laughs> one that does all of the nature. Right. Not the director, but the other guy who's a naturalist and who's also, an amazing. Also, the one that's still alive. Right. If, who's sorry, amazing, but that's Amazing true. narrator and host. And it was uh, produced by John Favreau, among others. Because he, he produces half the stuff well, in the world now. He took the same technology that worked for his version of The Lion King and The Jungle Book. And he put them to work making essentially a version of planet Earth only with it's dinosaurs. Pre, prehistoric right. planet Earth. That's what and it is. it takes place, it feels like mostly in the late Cretaceous. And it has really beautiful dinosaurs. And they do things like as much as, like as far as night vision. Uh-huh. Y'all, this is animated. Right. It is not real. It looks Fantastic. Right, because of one of the things, there's a, an accompanying podcast that goes with it where the producers talked about what they were aiming for, and one of the things they they did was that we're only going to shoot with actual live background plates. That we're feels not going right. Completely yeah. into an animated world because then it's Toy Story. Yeah. But also, you can always tell grass is going to look weird, water right. is going to look weird. It's getting real good, but there's always that. It doesn't move right, or it doesn't, yeah. Right, and so there's a lot of kind of, they're representing it in terms of an entire world and ecosystem. Yeah. And there are very few of the leaps that they take to say, you know, to be fanciful. Yeah. Uh, and there's even, in the second season, because I didn't, I missed the first season, I'm watching all the way, I'm almost done with the second season now, um, short documentaries at the end to answer questions like, well, are you sure the dinosaur looked like that? Are you sure it did that? And they right. give you their reasons. Yeah, for why they did what they why did. Why they thought of this this seems to be reasonable and this is what we've discovered in the fossil record that indicates that yes, this did have feathers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, this did not have feathers. No, this was brightly colored. Um Or we we were looking we watched one about what is the Pachycephalosaurus? Right. Pachy? Very good. Did I do it right? Oh my god, I've been um, And it was a question of well, did they headbutt each other? Right. And there was like, yes, and then maybe not, and then maybe it's a mm-hmm. there's a there's these little notches that maybe um, were indicative of like a like a like a brightly colored like uh-huh. crest on the top of their head, and that was what they were doing. And then turns out maybe they were strong enough to be headbutting, and then it, now they're like probably both, probably right. both of those things. Um, so yeah, so they go into the like why they're yeah, yeah why they're doing what they're doing. So it's very cool. It's, it's very interesting. Beautiful. You've been watching a couple of episodes with mm-hmm. me. You're horrified by pterodactyls. Oh, they're so scary when they walk on the ground. Yes, walking on ground, they look like Ugh. medieval demons. They, they really do. do. <laughs> they look like they should be you know spouting water off the, the also, top of Notre Dame. All of the um, sauropods. Yeah. I'm like that's that's gonna tip over. <laughs> Well, why is its neck so big and its tail the so I really big? Watched it is the Tyrannosaurus Rex, and they do all the Tyrannos. Well, a lot of Tyrannosaurus families, like the Tabrosaurus and others. Um, There's almost as many T Rexes around me as there are Godzillas. Right. Also, Godzilla is like a T Rex. <laughs> so. That's what I think. But um, 
but they actually have probably the best restoration of what a Tyrannosaurus actually looked like, which is this big, ursine, you know, very heavy Raymond Burr of a dinosaur. Oh, yeah. Frankly. So, Chonky yeah, boys. I, right. As opposed to... With a lot of junk in the trunk. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're big. Like you don't want it to hit you. No way, no how. They also have my favorite. The Triceratops. Triceratops. There's, yes. There's a lot of Triceratops with different shaped horns and everything. It was really lovely. Yeah, it's very it's cool. It's really worth watching. Um, what about you? Um, I started a show. Okay. I haven't finished it. So hopefully it doesn't peter out at the end. But yes. it's a Netflix show from 2020 called Tiny Pretty Things. I am a person who really likes watching stuff set in ballet Uh like um, center stage is one of my favorite movies y'all if you haven't seen center stage get on it it's so fun but um and it has zoe saldana in it uh, as a as a ballerina Uh, but this is a uh, think pretty little liars meets gossip girl meets Mm. center stage like it's there's a there's a crime at the beginning that involves um, one of the dan- like the star dancer at this school um, falling over the side of a building. Uh, she doesn't die. She's in a coma. But then it's who done it, right. And then all of the drama around the... I mean, it's very soapy. It's very teen soapy and things. But I enjoy it. I'm enjoying it. And it's very pretty to look at. Okay. Um, so, Tiny Pretty Things on Netflix. Okay. If that's your jam, you'll know if it's your jam. Like, right. if what I've said sounds good to you, watch it. If what I've said sounds terrible, give it a miss. <laughs> uh, so that's it. That's it for this week. Uh, thank you for joining us in our rear yes. window. And next week, Bonnie and Clyde. Until yeah. then, if you have questions or comments or concerns, you can email us. Or you can find us on Facebook. I'm going to leave it there. (laughs) And uh, until next week, I want to remind you to please, please, please take your medicine. And we'd like to remind you, better late than never. never.